Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. We're excited that you're here, whether you're joining us here in the building or joining us online. Let's stand and worship together.
Good morning. If you are here in the building, you can have a seat, although after that song, I don't know that I could sit. So if you stand, you're not going to bother me. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, if you're online, if you're in the building, uh, either place, we're excited that you're joining with us. Uh, exciting that we get to come together uh, to worship the healer, to worship uh, our God, who we know is greater, who we know uh, is stronger. I want to let you know about a couple things that are happening uh, here coming up uh, this week. Um, we are starting, we talked a little bit last week about it. Uh, we're starting an additional uh, small group this evening. Uh, it meets at 8.30. Uh, it'll be on Zoom, so reach out uh, to the email address info at murrayhill.church if you are interested in getting the code uh, for that so that we can make sure that we get you connected uh, starting this evening at 8.30. There are also lots of opportunities uh, to still participate in giving, uh, even if you are not here in the building or if you are in the building and you don't have check or anything like that. Uh, online giving options, you can text to give, uh, you can give through the website, you can give check, you can give mail, you can give uh, all sorts of different ways. want to make sure that we're still, um, uh, even as we start to transition back, uh, still getting able to participate, being able to participate uh, in what God is doing uh, through the body of, of members here uh, as we continue to reach out to our community uh, and to show them uh, the love of Christ through different uh, service opportunities that we've got going on. Um, so, uh, I just have to tell you, uh, I'm not, if you've ever heard me uh, speak on Sunday mornings, uh, I am not someone who um, is excellent in uh, my relationships with being open and honest. And that's something that's significant, and um, you probably couldn't hear it online, but I think Aaron just amened. Um, so I, I'm going to work on, on that, uh, not only with her, but also with you guys. Um, Got a call this morning uh, at 6.30, which is never a good thing, um, that one of our staff members at Jackson had died suddenly last night. Um, and particularly um, frustrating and painful uh, because they were 26. And um, one of our coaches... Um, Great dude, great dude. Um, really connected with our students, um, and his loss is is going to be significant for our school community. And so, not only would I ask you uh, this morning to to pray for the community, to pray for the schools, um, but just a reminder: like we're not promised tomorrow. And, and those, those of us who are followers of Christ, those of us who profess to be believers, we gotta take advantage of the time we have. We gotta, we gotta speak when the Spirit leads us. We gotta live our life in such a way that we're different, that, that there's something about us that people see that makes them wonder that makes them ask so that when, when they experience tough times, we are who they come to. When, when they want to know more about why we live our life a specific way, that we're ready to share what Christ has done for us and, and how we're different. And so I just want to ask, we're just going to take maybe 15 or, or 20 seconds, Joel will play in the background, just ask the Spirit to lead you this week to have an opportunity either through, through your actions and, and someone reaches out and engages with you or to really just ask the Spirit to be loud and annoying this week, <laughs> to say, this is the person that I have put in your life to have a conversation with. And so that hopefully through that conversation and through interactions, they take a step closer to making a decision to make Christ number one in their life. God, we thank you. that in our, in our toughest times, 
in our struggles. We know that you're the rock. We know that you're the solid foundation that, that even when the world around us is, is spinning, is, is not making any sense, God, the place we can come back to is you. I ask this week for myself, for those of us here in the building joining us online, God, that your spirit would lead us this week to be able to share your love, to be able to share your peace with someone we interact with. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and continue worshiping together.
Father God. It's unfathomable that in your grace and in your mercy and in your love that you would consider me. Father, all of us can say that this morning. There is nothing in us to recommend us to you. Yet you chose to love us anyway. What a powerful truth. And Father, your grace and your mercy and your love doesn't just extend to each one of us, but it extends to those around us. It extends to our families. It extends to generation after generation after generation. Lord, we don't understand. But we're so grateful. We offer this time and this place up to you.
thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you Father, as we come today, I'm reminded of the story of Moses and his interaction with you. And you were ready to give up on the Israelite children. And Moses said, if you're not going, I'm not going either. And I thank you that we go through this life journey with you, that you go with us. I thank you for the blessing of forgiveness and grace. I thank you for the chance to follow you here and to represent you on this earth. Father, what an honor. And Lord, I pray that as we move forward in this time this morning and, and uh, just overwhelmed with your presence today, I just pray that uh, this time would honor you. I pray that uh, your spirit would show up at every seat that you would open our hearts and our minds to you, and that this, this time would be everything you intended to be. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. You're good. You didn't know. All right, so we have been talking about um, home renovation, which, by the way, it is no longer our home officially. It has been signed over to other people. Thank you. You're not as excited as I am, I promise, okay? Um, but as we've talked about, as we go through life's journey, um, God teaches us lessons or reminds us of spiritual truths no matter what we're doing, if we just pay attention and listen. 
And so this home renovation for us was no different. There were a lot of spiritual reminders, if you will, um, about what uh, uh, God has taught through the years and, and, uh, and reconnected, if you will, some, some truths. So today I want to talk about this truth that I think is vitally important for us. And it is, first of all, that you need to know your limitations. Or let's take it a little different route. Let's say you need to know your boundaries. So let me, let me tell you, in home renovation, um, I have a lot of boundaries, which I should, um, because when I first started to have a power tool in my hand, it was not a, not a good thing. But I have since set boundaries that I will not cross, lines in the sand, if you will, that I will not do. So for example, if you want to hang crown molding, I'll try that all day. Doesn't mean I'm any good at it, but I'll try it. And eventually get it right, hopefully, and, and get it up and, and look at least half decent. But if you ask me to do plumbing, my answer will be no. It's not going to do it. Right? And the reason I won't do it is because disaster could follow. If I deal with plumbing, disaster could follow. Another boundary that I have is electricity. Anything to do with electricity. And the reason I have a boundary there is I could die. Right? So I will work with electricity and plumbing if someone's over my shoulder saying, nope, nope, don't do that. Bad move. Do this instead. Right? But, but those, are, those are boundaries that I've set in, in my renovation life that uh, I just won't cross without help because I just know I'm not good enough, number one. And number two, I'd really have somebody else do it. Okay? So, I want to talk about today how significant it is for us in our journey to have limitations or to have boundaries as we go through this life, particularly having to do with how I live my life, either in sin or out of sin. So we're going to look at someone who had very specific boundaries, who lived by them, and his name is Joseph from the Old Testament. And so I want to read the story with you, but, and we're going to be in Genesis, but, but I want to tell you, first of all, a little bit of the background. Uh, Joseph and his brothers had a really bad relationship to the point that his brothers hated him, literally. And so they were out camping one day, and Joseph was walking towards them, and the brothers said, hey, let's kill him. That's how much they hated him. And they had this plan to, to kill him and bury him and, and say that uh, some animal killed him and let, let his dad know. But one of the brothers stood up and said, oh, we, we can't kill him. So they decided to sell him as a slave, right? Big brothers are the best. Sell him as a slave. So they did. He sold him to some Ephraimites. They took him to Egypt, and they sold him to a man named Potiphar, right? So that's where the story picks up, and uh, he is serving under Potiphar. In Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 through 20. So if you're in the building, it's page 41 in the Pew Bible. Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. Page 41 in the Pew Bible. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Story's going pretty well right? For everybody involved. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? 
And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him the story. That Hebrew slave you brought, uh, you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, uh, his wife had told him, saying, This man... Uh, is your, your, this is how your slave has treated me. He, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Okay, story doesn't end well, but we'll get to that in a little bit. It actually worked out really well, big picture. So Joseph becomes a slave to Potiphar. Potiphar uh, gives him control of everything because everything he touches turns to gold because the Lord's blessing him. So one day, Mrs. Potiphar, we'll just call her Polly, Polly Potiphar, she saw Joseph and was impressed with him. He was a handsome man, and she was enthralled with him, and so she made it her goal to seduce him. But Joseph said no. He said no. He could have gotten away with it, for a while anyway, but he said no. So I want us to look at Joseph's story, and I want us to compare it to our own journeys, and I want us to, to see some boundaries that he set and he lived by, and, and how that can help us in our journey as we follow Christ, and we live a godly life, or at least with his help, try to. All right, so the first thing that Joseph did is Joseph had very clear boundaries in his life. He knew that this would have been a wrong act. In fact, he said it this way. He said, if you go back to verse 9, he said, No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? So Joseph, and this was before Moses and the law, so it wasn't one of the Ten Commandments, but he had been raised very clearly in his family that you did not have sexual relations with another man's wife. You just don't do that. In fact, not only is it wrong, it's wrong before God. And because of that, I will not do that. So, so Joseph has set this boundary in his life, one that he would not cross, that no matter what, I'm not going to do that. No matter what, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to give in to that. And it was a very clear and solid boundary that he had set for himself. One of the things that we have to do as Christ followers is if we have to determine where the boundaries are. And we live in a world where the boundaries seem very fluid. We live in a time when the boundaries seem very uncertain. But as followers of Jesus, the boundaries have been set for us, and so we need to set out those boundaries, and we need to know what they are, and we need to determine that they're solid, and we do not cross over them. And I think a lot of us would find benefit if we would go through our lives, and, and, and the truth is all of us have an Achilles heel, if you will, an area in our life in which we struggle. You know, for some people, it may have to do with greed. For some people, it may have to do with lust. For some people, it, it may have to do with with lying, not telling the truth. Whatever it is, there, there's something that all of us struggle with that we, we have to set boundaries and lines in the sand, if you will, that we will not cross. We have to determine what those are. One of the things I love to do in class over at FSCJ is um, I like to play an ethics game with the class. And so um, what we do is, is I, will, I will start the game this way, and I will say, who in this class believes that it is wrong to steal? Every hand goes up. Because stealing's wrong because they're thinking people shouldn't be taking my stuff. So I say, okay, let's, let's have an illustration here. Let's say you're at the store, and you're watching the cashier take all your stuff and, and, 
and go through the scanner, and, but they miss something and put it in the bag without scanning it. I don't know what it is, but let's say it's worth $25. How many of you would tell the cashier they missed it? And all but typically two or three will raise their hands, I, I would tell the cashier, because stealing's wrong. And the other ones, I say, well, why would you not raise your hand, or why would you not tell them? And, and they would say, well, you know, they're a big corporation. They won't miss it at all. Or some will even say, I just considered a blessing from God, which I think is kind of interesting. <laughs> <clears throat> so then I say, all right, well, let's take it a little further. Let's say that they miss something, and even though you don't normally look at receipts, you are going to your car, you're putting the stuff in, and you look at the receipt, and you realize at the car that, oh my goodness, they didn't charge me for this $25 item. And so I'll ask, well, how many of you would go back in and take it back in and pay for it? Well, all of a sudden, you have less than half of the class, usually about five out of 25, raise their hands. So I asked the five, so why would you take it back? Because it's stealing. We don't want to do that. I asked the 20 and said, well, it's just, I'm already at the car. So, uh, so you're telling me that stealing is wrong if you're at the cash register, but it's okay if you're at the car. Well, it's just inconvenient. Okay. So then I take it a step further. Let's say you look at the receipt when you get home and you realize you didn't pay for it. How many of you would call or take it back? And usually it's just one. Why would you take it back? Because it's still stealing. Right? And so we, we have this conversation, and then they'll, they'll say, and then they get frustrated with me. Well, what would you do? I said, well, I take it back every time. In fact, I've done it. And if you ever want to confuse somebody at the store, take something back you didn't pay for. <laughs> One time I got home and took something back to a, a major store, and I said, listen, I got out of the store without paying for this, and I need to pay for it. And I set it on the counter, and the poor girl, she just looked at me and said, I really don't know what to do. Would you just take it and not do this to me? <laughs> I, said, I said, no, no, I won't. You can put it back on the shelf, and, and, and I just won't take it. But, so it was, just, it was one of those really bizarre things. But they said, why would you do that? I said, because stealing is wrong. For me, it's, it's not a choice. Because I've set that boundary in my life, so it's not even something I have to think about. And you see, I think that's where Joseph was. Joseph, when, the, when, the, when Polly showed up and expressed her interest in him, it wasn't an option. It wasn't something he was going to do because it was ingrained in his spirit, I will not cross this line. I just won't do it. And no matter how much I think I can get away with it, no matter how much fun it might be, no matter how good it might be in that moment, I will not cross that line. That line. So I want to encourage us today to think about where we need to set boundaries. Think about those things that you know are wrong or those things that you may participate in and all of a sudden you, in the next minutes or the next hours, it's like, oh, I shouldn't have done that because it's wrong. And set some firm boundaries. And don't make them your boundaries, make them God's boundaries, but set those boundaries. And have in your mind, these are lines I will not cross no matter what happens. And with God's help, I won't cross them. See, that's what Joseph did. He determined before he was ever in that situation, this is what I'm going to do. And so that's just a side note that I want to say in this. If you wait until the moment of decision to decide, you've probably already lost. I'll say that again. If you wait till the moment of decision to decide where the boundaries are, you've probably already lost. So the boundaries need to be established firmly before the situation shows up. That's what Joseph did. Well, the second thing that Joseph did, and I think this is key for us as well, so he had a plan. He had a plan. Let's look at what he did in verse 10. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, she was relentless, 
Though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. So here's what I imagine happened, and we don't know scripturally if this is what happened, but, but this may be putting 2021 onto Joseph. But I imagine that the first night, the first day that she came, he went to bed that night, and he was there, and he was thinking through everything. All right. Polly Potiphar has a thing for me. And I know that's not what I need to do. So how am I going to deal with this? I know. I won't let myself be alone with her. I'm in charge of the household. I'll make sure there are people around. And anytime Polly's around, there will be somebody else here. Now, you keep reading the story that the day that he left the jacket was the day that nobody else was in the house. I believe with everything in me, that was a setup. Polly set it up. But he worked very hard to make sure that he was not on the front line of this temptation and that it would not be an issue. And he had worked it out in his brain. This is how it's going to happen. This is how I'm going to not cross this boundary. So I just won't be alone with her. I think one of the things that we have to do is we have to come to the point where we say, all right, I'm not going to cross this boundary, but this temptation keeps showing up. So here's the plan of action that I'm going to have if it shows up again. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's who I'm going to be. Here's how I'm going to say no. It may mean I have to get rid of certain things in my life. It may mean I have to change my friendships or my relationships. It, it may mean all kinds of things. But here's the deal. This is the plan of action that I have when this temptation shows up. Because if you've determined before God that you're not going to cross this boundary, be guaranteed that the enemy is going to show up with the opportunity to participate in that thing. So you need to have a plan. Joseph's plan was, I'm not going to be around Polly by myself. Just not going to do it. And then he was set up, I think. So I have long talked to you about my ongoing love affair with food. Food and I have been lovers for all my life. And, um, you know, I enjoy eating food that's good for me but I love eating food that's bad for me, right? You understand the difference in the two, right? I, I enjoy food that's good for me, but I love food that's bad for me. And in those cursed times when I need to lose weight, it's just absolutely miserable. I hate it. But here's what I know I'm going to eat, right? I'm just going to. Nothing's going to stop that. So I've discovered that the only way for me to be successful, well, that's not true. So when I start in the process of losing weight, I'm usually pretty good for about six weeks. Six weeks, I am strong. I can hang in there, and I can lose weight, and it comes off really fast. But somewhere around week seven, it's like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. And so I will go scavenging around the house to find anything bad for me to eat. And if it's there, I'm going to eat it. Something in my brain says, I need a bowl of Bluebell ice cream with an Oreo on top. It's going to make everything better. I'm tired of this. And I know they say it takes three weeks to form a habit. That's bull for me and food. I just want you to know. <laughs> because what happens is I have a cheat day, then I have a cheat week, then I have a cheat month, and then I have a cheat decade. That's just how it, that's just how it works out for me. So here's what I've learned is that when it's time to have that diet, the only way that long-term success is going to come is if I replace all of the food that I'm not supposed to eat in the house. So I will go find food, but if all I find is carrots and celery, well, I guess I'll eat it. So I'm going to eat something. As we go through this life journey... As we are doing the best we can to stay inside the boundaries that we have, to have a plan is very helpful. You know, if your temptation is greed, and the temptation is, is always to get paid for more hours than you actually work, I mean, I'm not attacking you, but that's stealing. 
We didn't have a plan. And we can, we can go through all the different scenarios and all the different ideas, but, but there needs to be a plan so that when this temptation shows up, I have something else to do. You know, for someone who's addicted to alcohol, going to a bar is not a good decision. And I've talked to alcoholics who, who say, but that's where all my friends are. And it's like, well, you're going to have to find some new friends. And if they're really your friends, they'll adjust for you. So that's the reality, is that sometimes to stay within the boundaries, we have to have radical action take place in our lives. And we have to be willing, like Joseph, to say, I will not cross this line. Now, I know that Joseph doing the right thing landed him in jail. I get that. Now, that was a part of a bigger picture that God had planned Eventually, he ended up running the country. So he went from running Potiphar's household to running the country. And that was all a part of the agenda for God. But I guarantee you, in, in jail, after the initial shock was over, he said, you know what? My conscience is clear. I did the right thing. And, and what I want you to hear me say is it's, it's better to pay a negative price than to carry the guilt. It just is. So, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not even a counselor. Um, the thought of that is really kind of funny. But I, I have had the privilege to help a lot of people go through these kinds of things. And here's some consistent things that I share with them and things that I, I know have worked for me. Three things that you must do, I think, if you're going to have firm boundaries. Number one is you need to spend time in prayer and scripture study. And those really are symbolic as building a relationship with Christ. You've heard me say dozens of times, quit trying to be good and start loving Jesus. And the truth is, is we cannot find success until we admit our dependence. We might find success for a little while, but long-term success is not going to come on our own power. And so we build our relationship with him, and we make that a priority, and we ask for his help. It's a big deal. All right, second thing is take up new hobbies. Fill your time with other things. Find other things to keep you busy. One of the things that I see over and over and over again is that idle time leads to failure. Idle time leads to failure. Find new hobbies. You know, I've discovered some people, they need to get a flip phone. If they're going to find victory, they need to throw away their smartphone and get a flip phone. Boy, that's drastic action, I know, for some people. Because that's like giving up a kidney. Right? For some people, it means finding new friends. You know, but do what you have to do. Be willing to take those drastic steps. The third thing that I tell people is find people in your life to whom you can be accountable. People that you can call and say, hey, man, I'm struggling right now. I need your help. And people that have the right to kick you on the backside and tell you you're making a, a bad mistake. People that have the freedom to jump in to your face and say, you are headed down the wrong road. You must stop. big. If you don't have those people, you need to have them in your life. Joseph had victory. He'd set boundaries. He determined the action that he would take. And believe it or not, even though he was in jail, he had victory. You see, that's part of the problem is sometimes we see victory the way the world sees it. But here's real victory in following Jesus. When temptation comes and you do the right thing, you put your head on your pillow at night and you sleep peacefully because you know you did what you've been called to do. Know your limitations. 
Know your boundaries. Find victory. And victory is there for the taking if we trust in him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for Joseph and his story. I thank you for his faithfulness. I thank you that he said yes to you. And Father, I, I want to pray for all of us. Because every one of us has a Polly Potiphar in our lives. And it may not be a person, it may be an activity. But to stay true, we need you. And so, Father, I pray if there are people here or people watching who are in bondage today, that you'll just set them free. That they will run to you full speed, finding help, declaring their dependence on you. And I pray that you lead them to victory. Now, Father, I want to pray for these moments that are to come. I pray that if anyone is here or watching that needs you, that today would be a day of salvation for them. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Bible talks about, one of the ways the Bible talks about what Jesus did for us on the cross is substitution. He took our place. See, the idea is it should have been us on the cross. We were the ones who deserved to die, but but he substituted himself. He took our spot. He died for us. And the truth is, even if we would have been killed, it wouldn't have been enough because we could never do for ourselves what he had to do for us. And the truth is, all of us have sin in our lives. We have things that separate us from God, things that, that make it impossible for us to be right with him unless God himself intervenes. And that's what Jesus did on Calvary. And so if you're here today and you've never accepted the gift of substitution, you've never accepted the, the free gift of forgiveness and eternal life, please know that gift is offered to you. And if you're here in the room and you would like to know about that, I want to invite you as we sing in a minute to walk to the Welcome Center through these doors and let's talk about faith and what it means. If you're watching online, then encourage you to text us. There will be someone ready to text you back, or you can email us and, and we'll get back with you. But if you know down deep inside of you that today you need to be right with God, then follow through. Most important decision you'll ever make. Maybe you're here and you have questions, or you're watching and you have questions. We encourage you the same thing. Ask your questions. Again, you can ask me when we're done. You can text us. You can email us. Don't be afraid to ask. I promise you will not be judged in a negative way by your questions. Or maybe God has put on your heart that you need to be officially part of this community of faith. Well, we invite you to begin that process. If you're interested in that, talk to me when we're done. Again, text, email. Or maybe today you've been reminded... boundary that needs to be set. I pray for you that today, with God's help, you would set that boundary and you would find victory. But however God is leading you today, you respond as we stand and worship together.
Thank you for joining us this week in worship. Uh, We hope that you are able to go forward now confident in the fact that God's got us, that we can trust in Jesus. Have an amazing week. We'll see you next Sunday.